one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The idea that healthy food costs more than junk food is just not true. So how can you eat better for less? Well, meat and fish are definitely among the most expensive items on a shopping list, while dairy remains simple and much more affordable. It is such a powerful source of micronutrients, high-quality amino acids, and calcium, and those are all essential to healthy muscles and bones. If you consider Yo Valley's delicious, super thick, kerned natural yogurt, it's high in protein, low in sugar, and available in 5% and 0% fat. To find out more, head to yovalley.co.uk and find it in your local supermarket. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'm so lucky to be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with the trusted expert advice. Periods happen to half of the population, so why are they still treated as something to hide? With one in five young women bullied about periods, be it at home, school or work, I think it's time to understand exactly what's going on down there. In fact, our menstrual cycle is a really helpful indicator to our overall health. But with it being so, misinformation has flourished, only perpetuating the menstrual taboo. This week's Food for Thought sees doctor and gynaecologist Anita Mitra and I explore how to take control of your cycle and debunk the most widespread misconceptions. Hello, Anita. Hi, Rihanna, and how are you? I am very well. Thank you for asking. What about yourself? Yeah, good. Thank you. I guess as women, a lot, now 50% of the population, as you said, go, go through this. We all get periods. We are women. But a lot of the time people believe that hormones make us unreliable and moody. So how do we start to think of them as giving us, I don't know, period power instead? Yeah, absolutely. Well, You know, so as you say, about half the population um, have periods at some point during their life. Um, And unfortunately, some people really wish they didn't have periods and some people are dying to have a period. So um, I think that, you know, periods are something that can be quite problematic um, and doesn't necessarily have to be because there's lots of things that we can do about them. Um, But also, I think just the fact that we don't necessarily always understand a lot about them really causes quite a lot of anxiety. And so I find that when I talk to patients often about things that they're really worried about and explain why, you know, that happens in the body, why actually maybe that's something that's actually normal, 
the reassurance that they they find in that is immense Mm, yeah knowing that you're not alone and just you're right I've always believed that education is power and understanding why something happens can be extremely useful could you talk us through the the stages of the menstrual cycle cycle because there's there's so many changes aren't there yeah absolutely so period 101 and I just want to really start by saying that anything that I say in this episode if you didn't know don't feel stupid because I think that actually the education is really kind of mediocre and there's so many things that we aren't really taught at school so I thought that a period was an egg cracking and the contents coming out of your vagina Um, and so it's not Um, so the menstrual cycle is the amount of time that we have between the start of one period and the start of the next period. So on average, a textbook says it's 28 days. Actually, only about 15% of people have that textbook um, 28-day cycle. And so your period is the days during that menstrual cycle that you are bleeding for. And so you normally bleed for about three to five days. uh, And then the rest of the time, there's a lot of things happening in your body that are really, really important. So all the hormones are um, going up and down and changing and um, doing lots of really clever things inside the body to really prepare your body for pregnancy, because ultimately that's why we have periods. So the first stage of the cycle is when you're bleeding. And then after that, we have the um, the follicular um, phase, which is when the ovary is essentially preparing um, the follicle. And so the follicle is what's going to eventually turn into the egg that's released. And when you ovulate, so normally around the middle of the cycle, um, that's when you have a huge surge um, in a hormone called LH, and that causes the the egg to be released from the follicle. And then the next stage of the cycle we refer to as the luteal phase, um, because that's um, related to the corpus luteum, which is the shell of the egg that's left. uh, And that produces lots of progesterone, um, which is, we call it the, the pregnancy hormone, really. So Um, It's really preparing the body for pregnancy. And if you don't get pregnant, which ultimately most of us won't in most cycles, then the corpus luteum starts to break down. There's a drop in the amount of um, uh, progesterone and then your period will eventually start. And the period is the lining of the womb coming away um, with some blood, um, a mucus, old cells. Um, That's what's coming out. So not the contents of the egg. Yes, which I think a lot of, yeah, I mean, I myself thought that when I was at school, it really wasn't very clear at all. Um, And also, it was only a one off. I remember I probably had about, I don't know, it's like a 20 minute session on it at school. And then it quickly whizzed over onto other other things. It wasn't a, um, a priority. I think it was always about kind of like, so don't have sex because you'll get pregnant. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't think I went to like particularly sort of like traditional or religious school or anything like that. But yeah, I felt like that's what a lot of it was about. Um, and also all the boys got taken out into another room when we had our period chat. So I'm really not sure what the boys I went to school with think about periods. And I think it's so important to educate men about periods as well. Um, And I think that, you know, it's quite interesting because obviously I have lots of people coming to clinic. Um, Some of them bring their partners into the room. Some of them make them stay in the in in the waiting room. And then some of them just come on their own and 
you know, there's a variety of reasons why, but it's really interesting to see what the conversation is between um, my patient and her um, her partner when it comes to talking about periods, because some of them are really engaged and they get really into the conversation and some of them just kind of sit there like, mm, so um, when's this going to be over? <laughs> um, but it's it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because obviously the people that I'm seeing are people with problems with their periods. Mm. Uh, and so it's just quite, um, I think, often important to be able to discuss something that's problematic with people around you whether that be you know a problem that you have with somebody at work or your period because if that's something that you're really struggling with you want people around you to understand and I think that it it can really alter the dynamics in relationships often if you know you've got something that you're going through and you feel that you can't discuss that with your um with your partner that must be really difficult um and also from their perspective as well it's something that you know they can't necessarily do anything about and maybe feel really awkward talking to you about so that's why I think it's super important um well just one of the reasons why I think we need to get men talking about periods as well Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think um, in terms of when I first took um, notice or wanted to learn more about my period, it wasn't for a very long time because I guess the lack of education. It probably was when I was looking into, I guess, have I'd, cl- I'd have clients coming to clinic that would have endometriosis mm. or um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I started to learn a lot more. And obviously we touch on these things at university, but we don't go into enough mm-hmm. depth again. And then when I wanted to get pregnant myself, I realized how low the odds are that you actually get pregnant. And it was a bit of a shock. I was like, oh, yeah, like you said at the start, I thought it was just to prevent having sex. The reason you learn about mm. about, about your period, you don't want to get pregnant, but actually it's quite difficult to do. So could we um, delve into the roles of the main, like estrogen and mm. progesterone? I think a lot of people will have heard of, but not quite know what role they play. Yeah. So estrogen and progesterone are the main female hormones. And I think the word hormone just has a bad reputation, doesn't it? Because we think, oh, it's a bad word. Um, You know, hormones are bad. They do bad things to us. So our whole body is run by hormones, essentially. So um, estrogen and progesterone are the main ones that are causing us to have our menstrual cycles, causing us to have periods. Um, But there's a lot of other hormones that are and playing into that as well so insulin in particular cortisol being the stress hormone um, thyroid so lots of other things are influencing what's going on but so estrogen is mainly produced by the ovaries um, also a little bit by your adrenal glands and also by the adipose tissue so the fat tissue Um, and so it's estrogen that really causes that lining of the womb to thicken at the start of the menstrual cycle. And so it's preparing that lining to make it nice and juicy and pillowy with lots of good blood supply for what it hopes is going to be a pregnancy implanting into it. And then you've got progesterone, um, which again is produced by the ovaries, mainly by the corpus luteum when you ovulate. So people who have gone through the menopause, people who are, um, you know, who've stopped having periods for various reasons that we might touch on later, um, really don't produce very much um, progesterone. It's also made by the adrenal glands and also in huge amounts by the placenta if we're pregnant. Um, and so the progesterone really is what's dictating um, the timing of when your period comes because of the fact that it comes from the corpus luteum. Now, it's really important to mention that these hormones are not just responsible for giving you a period. Um, 
the estrogen has got receptors all over the body. So receptors in the brain. So it plays a role in um, memory, libido, um, in our mental health. It's involved um, in producing the breast um, tissue, muscle, heart, bones. And same with progesterone. It's got receptors all over the body. Again, lots in the brain. Um, and so it's also involved in breast development, um, lots of different things. So then they're, they're not just acting just on our reproductive system. Um, and really important to yeah just mention that so many other hormones will play a role. And that's why there's so many things that we can do in daily life that will disrupt our hormones. Um, so you can wreak havoc with your natural hormones in terms of lifestyle. It's not just from, you know, people think that it's only when you use synthetic hormones that bad things might happen. And I, I, know, yeah. I don't know, totally agree with that, but, you know, just mm -hmm. really to sort of reinforce why um, hormones keep us going. I think um, if you're going to um, look into this in more depth, I'm sure a lot of our listeners now are thinking, well, what can I do? How can I change my hormones a phrase that's often thrown about is how do I balance my hormones what are your thoughts on that so hormones are not meant to be balanced really that's they mm -hmm. they work by you know you get these huge fluctuations of your hormones and uh, and so with the um, female hormones they're changing in quantities they're changing almost hour hourly daily you know it, it's not a steady state and that's how they work you need to have that fluctuation so for example you ovulate because of the fact that you get a massive surge in a hormone called luteinizing hormone so lh uh, and that happens in response to the fact that your body knows that the egg is ready to be released um, and it's related to the feedback that you get from estrogen so there's got to be these kind of like peaks and troughs in order for the the um the whole system to work essentially uh, and i think that I mean, it's amazing that we have started talking about this so much more. And I'm not sure if that's because I'm in a little bit of an echo chamber um, when it comes to social media. Um, but I do feel that people are uh, more interested in talking about this based on the kind of articles that I'm reading more and more often in magazines, on the Internet and seeing the conversations that people are having. But I think it's really important to not get too bogged down in the details as well, um, because I often find that people are doing hormone tests that you can do online yeah. at home you know like finger prick tests yeah. and things and it's really really complicated and you can't really just look at hormone levels in isolation and say well I should be feeling like this or I should be feeling like that or that's why this or that isn't happening it's so complex uh, and so I tend to kind of almost want to steer people away from that now um, and really start thinking about how do you feel throughout your menstrual cycle? Um, so I quite like um, cycle tracking apps. So I'm not talking about for contraception. I'm just talking about if you're um, not using any kind of hormonal contraception, you're having um, a natural yeah. cycle, um, just keeping a check of when your, um, when your period happens and then you can kind of keep a track of how you feel at different times throughout your cycle, because there are times when your body will naturally make you, for example, feel hungrier, feel more sleepy. Mm. You'll have lots of energy. You might have times, you know, some people say before their period, they feel really um, like powerful and they feel really, you know, like they could take on the world. And, you know, that's a kind of a really great example of how hormones can actually be a really positive thing. 
Yeah. And so I need to make a note of that because I don't think I get that surge before. So maybe, maybe I do. I just wasn't aware. <laughs> it's amazing what you can become more aware of when you pay attention mm. to it. So I think that, you know, I would kind of look at my cycle in terms of, you know, as my period kind of coming regularly. So regular, we mean 21 to 35 day cycles. So every three to five weeks. And you know, is it very painful? Is it very heavy? Because they are things that potentially we can we can alter both by lifestyle changes and also using medication. Uh, and that can really be a sign of um, how well your hormones are balancing in air quotes. I'm so, so glad that you touched on that because I feel that so many people want a miracle or especially I get a lot of questions about diet and balance mm. of hormones and I, I think people are just so desperate to to do anything they can to alleviate those period cramps or those yeah. symptoms that come and those changes in mood I mean different emotions are common like you said aren't they with, with appetite and and weight if we could discuss mm. weight as well part of my job I'm always trying to reiterate that weight fluctuates yeah absolutely find that when it comes to our period and menstrual cycle yeah so when you talk about weight I mean there's sort of two alleys to go down here it's just sort of natural weight fluctuations with the menstrual cycle and then also people often are worried about weight when it comes to different kinds of contraception so what I would say is that throughout your menstrual cycle you will find that your weight will fluctuate massively and a lot of this is related um, to water retention um, so sometimes you might feel that you know you're rings are a bit tighter um you might find that you know you've got a bit more um cellulite i think that often relates to water retention um or you just feel like oh i can't really fit into those trousers as well as i did last week um you know what's going on there uh, mm. and so that is all water related and also partly related to your bowel as well because if your bowel's quite full then you can feel quite bloated and heavy um and you it's related to the fact that your hormones are maybe stopping you from emptying your bowel in the way that you might yeah. normally do. Uh, and so it's quite interesting because so I'm obviously really fascinated by all of this. So I um, had a few months where I weighed myself every day and correlated it to my menstrual cycle. And I could see the massive wow. fluctuations. And, you know, this is not because I'm obsessed with my weight or anything like that. I was just really interested because I thought, hold a second. So many people tell me about this. Let me see what actually happens for me. Um, and... I noticed a fluctuation in just one month of about six or seven pounds. Wow. So that's actually quite a lot. And that's with me just, you know, pretty much like eating quite consistently. I mean, mm. I mean, I have to have quite a regimented um, sort of eating regime because of the fact that oh. I kind of like eat the same thing every day for lunch because I just am <laughs> autopilot, you know, making my like Tupperwares of my lunch to take to work. And I, you know, I don't really have that no, much time to think. Operating on people, <laughs> cutting someone open. We need you to be focused. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of like have my, my set meals that I have every week. So I knew that wasn't really much changing in terms of diet um, and then so I kept it going for a few more months and I was like wow this is so interesting because and this is again why you know if you're weighing yourself um, all the time and you're like well why have I put on weight well maybe it's actually because of your menstrual cycle so that's something really important to um, to just bear in mind that your weight will naturally change when you're having a super healthy cycle it's completely normal um, another factor my numbers is not the be or an end or exactly eh? exactly 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, don't read too much into that me weighing myself. It was just my little guinea pig experiment. Um, bigger ones, they should do those experiments in each on a larger scale because it wouldn't be wonderful to see the headline in the newspaper being the scales don't always tell the truth. Wouldn't that be lovely? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then obviously people are often really worried about weight when it comes to contraception. Um, and so, this is something that's really interesting because I think we've all heard that story of like the person who you went to school with who started taking the pill and then like suddenly they put on, you know, stones of weight. Mm. So one thing I would say is that your weight will change over time. And as we age, we do gradually put on weight. Now, the implant and the injection may be related slightly to a small amount of weight gain when you first start using them but that's not necessarily for everyone okay so you can't say that oh if I start taking start using the injection for example I'm going to put on weight everyone's going to be different but what's super interesting is that when people did studies looking at weight gain with contraception they looked at people who were using the copper coil so this is a form of contraception which doesn't contain any hormones And those people also gained weight over time. So it's really difficult to say that it's actually the contraception. But, you know, this is the thing. We can do all the studies in the world, but I just think it's really important to listen to what um, my patient is saying. If they think that they've put on weight with their contraception, then that's fine. I believe them. I'm not going to turn around and say, well, actually, the studies say that you it's not because of the pill or the coil or whatever if that's what that person experienced then that's a very real thing to them and I will absolutely listen to them and then we can look at alternatives and so I think that you know everyone's different you won't know till you try unfortunately we do slightly have to be our own guinea pigs and if it doesn't work out for you then you can try something different it's not a problem and I think that we have to be really open-minded as healthcare professionals to the things that our patients experience Oh, it's fascinating that there's never a bespoke, um, well, a black and white rule is what we like to say. There's, there's so much colour. Everything's such a rainbow, isn't it, in terms of everyone's bodies? Exactly, um, yeah. And I think that when it comes to a lot of um, sort of hormone-related topics, lots of people say, oh, but my doctor said that that's not a thing. And it's like, well, okay, maybe in the literature that's not a thing, but that's what you've experienced, so I'm going to listen to you. Oh, again, reiterating that if you want to seek help, please don't be scared because there's people like Anita out there who, who are there to listen and may actually have the solution that you've you've been looking for. Um, another uh, question to ask you, Anita, is about irregular periods. Mm. What are some of the biggest reasons for this? Okay, so irregular periods. Um, so I think it's a bit different what that means to me and what that might mean to sort of the average person. Um, So to me, an irregular period means essentially one that you can't really work out when it's going to come. And the textbook says anything that is um, coming more frequently than every 21 days or less frequently than 35 days. So tends to be that people have really long cycles. Um, And so the the commonest reason for having an irregular cycle um, that I would see would be something called polycystic ovarian syndrome. But lately, 
I have seen since the pandemic so many people saying that their periods have gone all over the place. So having periods more often, having no periods, their periods are really heavy, really painful, complete change in the the symptoms that they experience. And this really fascinated me. Um, Mm. So this is actually a research project that I've started um, looking at the changes people have noticed and trying to correlate them with um, the changes in lifestyle because that can have a massive impact. And so I think it's amazing because I did a post about this on Instagram and so many people were just kind of relieved to hear that other people were experiencing this as well because I think that, you know, you've um, pointed out a very sort of common theme there that when people's periods are not behaving in the way that they expect them to or maybe want them to there's quite a lot of anxiety and it's often related to the fact that people think right that's it I'm never going to be able to have a baby so what I just want to say is that if your period does become irregular please do continue to use contraception if you don't want to have a baby (laughs) Um, because you can still be ovulating But often you may not be ovulating or you may not ovulate when you think you're going to. So that's why it can be a little bit tricky in terms of, um, you know, if you're planning a pregnancy, but there are lots of things that you can do to try and kind of work out what's going on. Yes, I think um, the textbook 28 day cycle uh, is definitely what most people assume, myself included for a long time, was I was meant to fit into this category. I forgot that, like I say, for nutrition is unique. I completely didn't see my body mm-hmm. in that way, which would have really helped me at that time and, and lower my stress levels. Yeah, absolutely. Could, could we go into polycystic ovarian syndrome, as you mentioned it there? Because yeah. it does affect one in five women, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is... So a syndrome means a collection of um, signs and symptoms. So firstly polycystic ovaries on a scan does not mean polycystic ovarian syndrome so you know I mentioned before about the follicles on the ovaries when we're talking about leading up to ovulation so they form little cysts these little follicles and and so a cyst means a fluid filled sac and that is how the egg gets out of the ovary because that has to burst and so it's not the same as the kind of cysts that we get a little bit worried about in terms of causing um pain and and problems in that respect. Um, These are completely what we call physiological cysts. So physiological means relating to how the body works. And so if your hormones are not quite working in the way that you want them to, um, you're not getting that um, imbalanced, balanced dance of the hormones, if you like, (laughs) then the eggs are not going to be able to get out. And so you get all of these kind of almost ready to come out, but not quite coming out. Um, little cysts on the ovaries and and so that's really common um, to have but you have the polycystic ovarian syndrome when you have irregular or absent periods and also signs of um, excess male hormones so excess androgens which can be things like um, having acne having very greasy skin male pattern baldness Um, they are the common um, the common reasons and so why does it happen? Well, in about 70% of cases, it's because of insulin resistance. So insulin being one of the hormones that regulates our blood sugar. So remember, I mentioned earlier about how all the hormones are talking to one another. So if you have insulin resistance, so that means that the body 
doesn't really respond to insulin in the same way. It just reacts by trying to make, it churns out loads of insulin essentially. So you can have really high insulin levels. And what that does is it changes the way that the um, ovary makes hormones and it makes the ovary turn estrogen into androgens, so into testosterone. And then that um, will obviously not allow you to ovulate uh, because you're not making the right hormone at the right time in the right amount and that's why you get these um, changes in when your period comes and also the the um, side effects that I mentioned in terms of acne and hair growth. That's fascinating. Yeah so I think it's really difficult because so many people are told right you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome so then you go home and you google it and you basically get told that you're you've got it because you're overweight and you're never going to get pregnant and that means that we have quite a lot of work to do in terms of explaining things to people when they come to clinic because I feel like they are two things that people get understandably quite fixated on. Now in terms of talking about fertility if you are having periods and particularly if you're having regular periods um, with polycystic ovarian syndrome you are pretty much just as likely to get pregnant than somebody who has not been told that they've got PCOS. So the reason that polycystic ovarian syndrome um, stops you from getting pregnant is because you're not um, generally speaking ovulating regularly. If you are having regular periods you're likely to be ovulating regularly and so you can still get pregnant so i've seen quite a lot of people who um, have come to clinic and um they're pregnant and they say well my doctor told me i was never going to get pregnant so i stopped using contraception which is really worrying and i'm not sure who these people are who tell people that they're never going to get pregnant because i can't predict which of my patients with polycystic ovarian syndrome is definitely going to struggle to get pregnant so I'm, if anyone anyone else <laughs> to you, just yeah. smile and nod and continue using contraception if you don't want to have a baby at that point in time. It's worrying that a doctor can say that to someone, to be honest, because that can really impact their mental health as well. It's, it's quite quite distressing. Definitely. And then that's also, um, I think, a really good link into talking about the whole weight aspect, because that is such a massive um, you know, weight on someone's mental health as well, mm. because... Yes, having um, a lot of people who have PCOS um, maybe are a little bit more overweight. And of course, I totally acknowledge that not everybody who's overweight has PCOS or is, um, quote unquote, unhealthy. But the reason why uh, weight is related to PCOS is that, as I said before, you make estrogen in your fat tissue, uh, but also fat tissue can make you more insulin resistant. So there are some very plausible reasons of why it's related, um, but it's very problematic when somebody's first message to you is, well, you've got to lose weight. Mm. Because first of all, I mean, that's quite a traumatic thing to be told because a lot of people take a lot of blame onto their shoulders and it's absolutely Mm. not your fault. You know, there are genetic reasons why this happens. and And PCOS is very much a complex relationship between your genetics and your environment so it's not your fault and then it's really tricky as well because your doctor says well you need to lose weight well realistically how many people in the general population actually know how to do that healthily and that's why I think you know it's so important that we work with people like you Rhiannon who can really advise people on what is the healthiest diet and the really important thing to say here is that, you know, I find a lot of people, they 
go home and they just completely calorie restrict. Mm. Uh, And, you know, whilst that may lead to weight loss, we have to really remember that our bodies and our hormones really need a lot of nutrients enabled to, you know, to be able to work. Ovulation is a massive task for the body. It requires Mm. so many nutrients, so many tiny little chemicals and molecules and cofactors. It doesn't just happen. You know, you need all the right things in your diet. So for somebody to be told, you know, look, you need to lose weight and then they just, you know, maybe are eating very few calories with very little good um, nutrition in there is is really difficult because it's probably not going to be the right thing to do. And it's certainly not going to be the right thing in the long term. Oh, it doesn't look at the quality of the diet, does totally. it? Need to like you said, and it's it's crushing. I'm actually so glad you just said mm. that because I feel like crying sometimes because I spend my life working with clients, trying to teach them that food is so much more than numbers, and yet it seems the only message that's out there to help people with these sorts of things is calorie counting. And like you said, it's just not that simple. Yeah, and absolutely. It's not sustainable. And as as a doctor, I fully acknowledge that I'm not the right person to speak to people about their diet or to really advise people. Um, you know, I definitely don't have any formal um, qualifications and not as qualified as someone like you. But I do think that as doctors, we do have to educate ourselves a little bit because for a lot of people, yeah. they don't have access to a nutritionist, a dietitian. Exactly. Um, and so it is quite important. Um, and so I try not to make the conversation focused around weight, actually. Um, I like to focus on the quality um, of, of mm. the diet. Uh, and, you know, my main advice to people actually is, uh, you know, try and make your plate as colourful as possible because then you're going to get all these really good nutrients um, and all these vitamins and minerals that your body needs. The other thing I just really, really have to say is that there are so many PCOS diets on the internet and a lot oh, of yeah. them are ketogenic um, diets and, um, you know, really, really low carb diets. And of course, you know, the principle of well if your body's not very good at you know using sugars and is insulin resistant then cut down your carbs but that's also problematic as well and you know people will say you know I'm not the right person to say this but if you're having a a, if you're on a ketogenic diet first of all I think it's really really hard to stick to and I see a lot of people on very restrictive diets uh, and you know for example they're like well I'm not really enjoying going out with my friends anymore or Mm. you know it's really difficult because I'm trying to make one thing and my family are eating a different meal my partner wants to eat something different you know we have to think about the practicality but the thing that really bothers me is the low fiber content of these kind of diets the digestion completely ruined isn't it absolutely and it's super important just to say that you know that women need carbohydrates and we need fiber in our bodies most of us aren't eating enough fiber um, and obviously you know you're much better place to talk about that than me but yeah. there there are studies that show that people who had lower fiber diets are more likely to suffer from PCOS symptoms. Um, so I think this is something really important. And, and just, you know, I think really do think very carefully about going on a restrictive diet without being under the guidance of someone who is trained in nutrition, because you can become quite nutrient deficient. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Thank you, Anita. And it's just so refreshing to hear you discuss that and consider it as an important part of your line of work as well, because Mm -hmm. essentially everybody everyone is impacted by what they eat you know it's something we have to do several times a day um the choices we make can obviously impact our body Mm -hmm. and as you have said if we're not feeding those hormones and we're not looking at our body it goes down to a cellular level it's it's not as easy as abc that we see in the magazines or well it's not even magazines anymore it's (laughs) online um Let's touch now on sports nutrition because mm. I feel that leads in quite nicely from, unfortunately, actually, because um, a lot of my sports clients say this, to restrictive diets mm. and um, period stopping because a lot of my clients that we're working on sports nutrition with, their their period ceases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. So this is a huge topic. And yeah, no, sorry, we no, have. This one. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I think it's really important just to say that we, as women, are kind of built to have babies. And it hurts me to say that as a feminist, but you know, it, it, it's true. That's that's why our bodies are built the way that they are. And if your period stops suddenly, um, particularly if you are undertaking a lot of strenuous exercise or also have had a massive shift in diet um, or lots of little things added together can also have the same effect. It's often because your body goes, whoa, hold Mm. on a second. This is a woman who is not in any place to have a baby. And that's essentially why your period stops because your body doesn't have the resources and it needs to redirect the energy elsewhere. And this is something that I get so many questions about. um, And I know we've spoken about in terms of um, clients Mm. and patients before, but we are often training like athletes. If you look at some of the classes that you can go to, like, you know, some of them be like burn a thousand calories in an hour. My gosh, that is something. Uh, but, you know, you're... but yeah, they're there. I've got a lot of friends hooked on those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're doing, you're doing that. Then you're like rushing off to work. Um, and then you're like rushing into um, a sandwich place to get like some kind of healthy salad, which probably doesn't have that many calories in for mm. your thousand calories that you just burnt before lunch. And then you're rushing home and you're like, oh, my God, I've got all this dirty lycra that I need to wash. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, God, I've got to go meet so and so for a drink. And then, oh, I've got to prep for that meeting tomorrow at work. And then you go to bed. And then you get up and do it all again. And so you're kind of training like an athlete, but athletes are eating a lot of calories. Mm. They're having naps, um, you know, resting, you know, it's, it's completely different to what sort of the like hobby athlete is doing. Um, And so, yeah, your periods can stop. And I do see it a lot. And it's really 
I find it really difficult because unfortunately I've had quite a lot of messages from people on Instagram who are maybe selling ebooks, um, you know, promoting their workouts, and then they message me saying, I've stopped having periods because I'm over-exercising. Yeah. And so I think that social media is amazing but can be really problematic and I think that because of the rise of people you know showing their workouts and things online everyone thinks that they have to be exercising all the time Um, and so I think that's kind of partly where it's come about Um, but it's just really amazing that these people that are kind of like promoting their healthy lifestyles are actually not really having a very healthy lifestyle. It's so deceptive isn't it that's the problem. Yeah absolutely so it's really difficult there's tons as you've quite rightly just said this Mm. it really resonated with me what you said actually the busy lifestyle because it suddenly popped into my head and I'm sorry sorry to interrupt you I was just thinking about coronavirus and the impact it's had on potentially slowing down but also people feeling like they should still be going at a million miles an hour it's a very difficult um thing to yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is a question that I asked in my um, in my research study that I'm doing. Um, just you know, have you been exercising more or less? And uh, you know, spoiler alert, I have had a little look at the results so far. Ooh. And a lot of people are exercising more. Mm. Um, and you know, we are so lucky that all these like incredible um, you know trainers from various gyms and things have been doing. Um, Instagram workouts and stuff, and it's amazing. And you know, I've been doing them. Mm. Um, it, it's great, but you know. I, and also I don't want to be a hypocrite because I have lost my period myself from over-exercising and that is how I you know really can get into somebody's head when they tell me about what's going on and I think it's really tricky because um I feel like all I do is uh, say bad things about other doctors but no, you know, um, I, no disrespect to anyone but a lot of people have said well you just need to stop exercising and to mm-hmm. somebody who's really into their um exercise regime and you know it's really difficult to be like so this thing you really like doing yeah just stop I mean yeah that's not not really doable is it uh and so I think that what I would really recommend for people to do if this is happening to them is have a really you know good think about why do you exercise why do you train the way you do you do do you need to do all the sessions that you're doing? And do you need to train at such high intensity? Could you increase your um, your intake? That's definitely something to look at. And this may be a time, you know, if you really feel that your exercise the way it is, is, is really, really important to you, this is the time to maybe touch base with a professional. Um, so there's some really good um, sports nutritionists out there, um, you know, really good coaches who are really into this kind of thing. I think this is really important because if you're really pushing your body in this way and you really want to continue, then for the long term, you do need some professional advice to see how you can optimize things. Because if you're not having your period, it is a sign that your body is struggling. Yeah. And Particularly, I noticed um, I had quite a few people come to talk to me um, at various events that I've done who said, oh, I'm actually doing bikini competitions. Oh, yeah. Uh, And they're like, so that's not why I'm getting my period. Um, Sorry, that's why I'm not getting my period. Uh, And so I was like, okay, that's great. So you know why? And they're like, yes, I know why. So it's fine. And it's like, well, okay, it's it's not really fine because if you are not on hormonal contraception that is stopping your period – then you do really need to be having periods because, first of all, you know, you need them um, 
for your bone health, that's super important because the age at which this is happening to most people is in their 20s and 30s when they should be at peak bone density. And we don't really know if people can recover it afterwards. Mm. It's also super important for heart health as well because we really um, underestimate the the impact that estrogen has on our heart. And, and that is one of the protective factors for why um, you know women prior to the menopause um, get less problems with the heart compared to men. So it's not just about your period. If your periods come back, then your fertility should not be affected. But that also isn't really a way to legitimize the fact that you're not having a period. It is your body screaming out saying, I need a rest. I need more calories. I need help. Thank you, Lisa, because I feel like almost um, it's too accepted as a as a normal thing like it's okay like you said it's just known in that environment or a particular industry that I don't get a period like you said it's so blase but it is extremely serious and to anyone listening if you're not getting your period it, it there's definitely I would I would look into it to be honest wouldn't you agree yeah, absolutely and it's also the same with um you know if you're on a very sort of restrictive diet and um you know I think veganism is something that we often see when people don't get their periods and I have nothing um, against people who are vegans or who are on a very plant-based diet, but it, it can be a sign that you're not getting all the nutrients that you need, maybe not getting enough calories. So again, another reason why it might be worth touching base with a professional um, to really try and sort things out. Cause I'm not saying that everyone needs to eat meat and animal based products to be healthy, I'm not saying that at all, but there might be things that you can optimize, um, which are really important for your health. Well, completely. And, and like you said, just there's so many resources. I mean, we're launching a, um, it might be out by the time this podcast is out, but a sports nutrition ebook because I just oh, felt amazing. Like, yeah, I, I, I felt Anita, this sounds awful. I've been working on this for a year and yeah. there was just nothing out there online that was kind of reputable for, for people wanting to do sports and actually wanting to make sure that uh, apart from buying a huge textbook kind of thing, something that's a bit more accessible. But yeah, the last thing Absolutely. everybody always asks. And I'm sure you get it all the time is does contraception impact my periods and if I suddenly come off the pill can I get my period back or have I have I ruined ruined it that's definitely something yeah so um this is something that I get asked all the time and I just think there's so many bad things said about using hormonal contraception so non-hormonal contraception would be um, either using condoms or the copper coil. They're the most common um, kinds. There's also um, uh, apps that you can use, which I'm not a huge fan of, and I probably will not talk about that today. Um, but in terms of hormonal contraception, I mean, the most common one is the combined oral contraceptive pill. Um, and then there's the progesterone only pill, which is the one that you take continuously. Um, and then you've got the um, implant, the ring, the injection, and also the hormone coil. Now, all of these are really great ways of preventing pregnancy, because let's remember, that's generally speaking, what we're using contraception for. Yeah. The other thing is that, you know, I have a lot of patients who are not looking for contraception, but they're looking for a way to literally go about their daily life because they have such dreadful periods or dreadful symptoms um, in terms of their hormones. So I feel quite bad for these women who are continuously seeing messages online that, you know, using contraception is bad for their health, when actually, you know, you shouldn't be made to feel guilty that you want a reliable way of preventing pregnancy mm. and a way of managing 
what are really quite debilitating symptoms for a lot of people. So if that's you, don't feel bad. You're not doing anything wrong mm-hmm. for your health. Because in t- so, you know, obviously, the thing people worry about is fertility. Now, the only contraception that will slightly delay your fertility um, after you stop it is the injection okay everything else will your fertility um, will go back to normal afterwards and so the way that this has been assessed is by looking at pregnancy rates at 12 months um, because you know you need to give time to fairly allow people to get pregnant because not everyone's going to get pregnant the first time even though it feels like that when people talk about how long they've been trying um, all you ever hear is, oh, my God, I got pregnant the first month I tried and I wasn't ready. Or, yeah. oh, my God, this is taking forever. I feel like you never hear about the in-between, but, you know, never. you hear about the extremes. True, true. Uh, and, and so, you know, we know that one in seven couples will struggle to get pregnant within the first year. Um, uh, but if you want to look at pregnancy rates uh, properly, you need to look over a year. And we see no difference in rates with any of different kinds of contraception. But some people will still get pregnant straight after stopping the injection. Oh, it's so important to know, because that's the first question that we had from Amare. She was like, does it affect my fertility? And you've just answered that perfectly. You can get pregnant if you've been on the contraception. Yeah. I mean, lots Absolutely. Of Gosh, Anita, you, you've single-handedly answered. So I'm just looking through my listener questions we selected for today. You've answered them all within. <laughs> Have I ruined it? <laughs> Do you know it's it's actually brilliant because it's obviously so helpful. Yeah, what about boys learning at the beginning? I'm just looking for all. Of, you have answered them, which yay means that was okay. Well, <laughs> I've frequently asked a question that we haven't gone through. So a lot of people um, will stop having periods when they are using, for example, the Mirena coil. So I think that one's really popular these days. The mm. hormonal it's great um i would say i mean i don't have any formal statistics about this um but i would say it's probably one of the most common types of contraception amongst gynecologists um and probably gps as well just talking to to friends and colleagues it's really popular because it often makes your periods um really light um and after about two years about 50 percent of people will completely stop having periods and a lot of people really love that um and it's actually amazing a lot of people really don't like that because often I might um, suggest oh, it really to somebody <laughs> as a contraception um, or also we often use it when people are coming up to the menopause because your periods can get really heavy um, when you're coming up to the menopause. So it can be a great treatment for that because it keeps the lining thin. And that's one of the ways in which it works as a contraceptive as well. Um, and so I think when your periods stop on contraception, people get really, really anxious. And so this is completely different to your period stopping when you are um, not using contraception. And so people often worry, well, does that mean that when I stop the contraception, my periods are not going to come back? No. And also there's no correlation um, between the people that um, stop having periods and the people that find it difficult to get pregnant afterwards so if your periods stop it does not mean that you're going to struggle to get pregnant when you stop your contraception thank you anita that was perfect so we can now do our fact or fiction round if you're ready for it oh i'm ready (laughs) okay so here we go right so fact or fiction to the following uh you can't get pregnant while on your period Ooh, fiction you can There you go. Skipping your period using the pill can be harmful. Fiction. PCOS runs in the family. Uh, Yes and no, it can do. 
Uh, so there are some genes that are related to PCOS, um, but it's not just a purely genetic um, condition. So yes and no. Perfect. Most women will lose less than 16 teaspoons of blood every cycle. Um, yeah, that's fact. You should, so it should be less than 80 mils normally. Um, so that's what the textbooks say. A, a, 80 mils or more is a heavy period. But for me, I would say a heavy period is whatever you feel is too heavy for you. And that's, again, why I think it's really important to listen to what patients say and not what the textbooks say is dictating what is defined as heavy. The average age for starting your period is 12. Yeah, it is. In, in this country, that's about the average age at the moment. In other countries, it's a little bit older. So um, so in less developed world, um, we know that people tend to start their periods a little bit later. Getting your period can trigger asthma symptoms. Fiction, I think. Um, you should avoid sex when you're on your period. Uh, fiction. I think that period sex is like Marmite. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Do as you feel. PMS is a made-up disorder. Oh, absolute fiction. It's very, very (laughs) much a thing. Um, When menstruating, your appetite is bigger. Uh, So your appetite tends to be highest just before your period. Yeah. And lowest around about ovulation. If you don't get a period, you should visit your GP. It depends for how long. So generally speaking, about six months, if you haven't had a period and you're not using hormonal contraception, then yeah, I'd like you to see your GP. Anita, that was a fabulous (laughs) round. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Um, It does wrap up the episode, uh, but we'll finish with our food for thoughts. As you know, you are a repeat guest on our podcast. We love having you on. I'm a recurrent Um, offender. No, great. (laughs) I think it's wonderful. It's really made me think actually this particular episode and I think my food for thought today would be that periods are natural and to me sometimes, or I remember before I'm looking forward to, when I say looking forward to getting them back, I'm not so sure I am actually because they were a bit of an inconvenience. I remember just thinking, oh, here I go again, my period, because Mm. women are expected to do so many things. But actually once you understand them, you can and use the information you have to enhance how you feel and what you do that week or and what you do throughout the month just like I think Anita said at the beginning try keeping a diary I loved that and making a note of all the other things that aren't just to do with the actual bleed itself but mm. your energy the week before because I didn't pay attention to that so instead of complaining about them let's try and embrace how amazing we are as women Anita, if you could give us a take-home bit of information, what would that be? So I would say that uh, if something bothers you, bother someone about it. I find that so many people sit at home and worry about things, um, and there are actually a surprising number of things that we can do for people. We're not just going to tell everybody to have an operation or to, um, you know, we're not going to force you to take the pill or use some kind of hormonal contraception there's so many things that we can do and sometimes even just having a chat um, can be super super helpful and I think that when we get more comfortable talking to our friends and family about periods that's when we can actually really learn a lot Um, and I'm always so happy when I say to a patient so what prompted you to you know seek help about this and they say well I was talking to my my mum or I was talking to my friend and I just thought you know what this isn't normal and I thought that's it 
period chat, improving lives, making the world a better place. Love it. Honestly, Anita, you are a true inspiration and credit to the NHS and the industry you work within. It's a pleasure to have you on. And where can our listeners go to find out more about you? Uh, So you can find me at Gyne Geek on Instagram. And yeah, from today's episode, I would say there's lots of posts that I need to do. So I need to get my bum into gear, don't I? It's great. I know you've promised us a lot, Anita. (laughs) We're going to have to hold you to it. Anita, thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Rhiannon. Take care, darling. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do, if you have the time, leave a five-star review. It does help this podcast get out there. We want to be able to reach more people, help more people, and maybe even perhaps reach higher highs in the charts. For more information about my Retrition Clinic books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com. And you can always follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.